Hello and welcome to Shoot the Breeze, where we take a nostalgic look at a random football magazine from the past. I'm Andy Smith, aka Scott's Footy Cards on Twitter, and with me is Tom Brogan. Hello. In each episode, we'll invite a special guest to join us in trawling through the magazine and discuss anything contained within it. This could be anything from an article, to a photograph, to a competition, to an advert. Basically, if it's in it, then we'll talk about it. So sit back and let's shoot the breeze. Wriggles clear. Might just get the chip and he does, he's scored! Oh, what a great Welcome to the second part of our podcast with Russ Lytton. Let's jump back in and continue where we left off in part one. Yeah, so we're going to jump out of the magazine for a for a minute or two here, Russ, and we're going to do a focus on yourself. So you'll be aware of these focus on sections in the magazine where a footballer of the day will be asked some questions. So I'm just yeah. going to ask you a bunch of questions. That's okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, full name. Russell Nelson Lytton. What's your birthplace? Hull. What was your first car? Uh, I, I don't, I've never bought a car. The only cars I've ever bought have been with my wife. Our first car, I think it was a, a Volkswagen. The, I don't like cars. I'm not really <laughs> big on cars. It was red. VW, yeah, red. Enough information for me. I'm exactly the same. It's all about just the make, if you're lucky, and the colour, definitely. So, yeah. Who's your favourite player of all time? Uh, what, in the world? Yep. It's a real hard question, isn't it? Favourite player of all time. I, do you know who I, I really love? Cantona. Hmm. I love everything about him. I love watching him play. I love listening to him. I think he's <laughs> hilarious. I like, what, I like his films, even. I just like I just loved the way he played the game. I, you know, apart from I think he, players I've seen play, it would be him. Uh, players I've not seen play, Maradona, I suppose. Just could you know, the best in I think he's the best of all time, Maradona. Really, my favourite is is Cantona. Yeah. Okay. Favourite team? Old City. Yeah. What's your most memorable match? The most memorable match is either that um, FA Cup final or, or the first one I ever went to. Um, it was Billy Bremner's debut and we were playing Blackpool uh, and I remember then I don't know how old I was I've, I've tried looking it up I can't, I've got a terrible memory and I think we lost 3-2 well uh, I, I saw you because I saw you talking about this on a YouTube clip and I oh, yeah. I looked it up so it was a 2-2 draw that was it yeah yeah Saturday oh. the 6th of November 1976 that had been 8 and I just, I just remember the, it was just the atmosphere. I think that you know the way the crowd swayed and surged, and all the all experience of football, and, and everyone had turned up to see this little sort of like ginger-headed guy and what he did, and the whole thing. You know, the theatre of it. I thought it was amazing. So that that really stayed with me. Other memorable matches. I remember. I tell you what. I remember. I remember um, Watford in the, when the in the playoffs. Caleb Fallen when they scored first. That was a really memorable match. Uh, one that's the other one when we played Cardiff and that big was that German guy he never scored ever Poznic Poznic I can't remember Shane Paul McGrath see you're asking somebody who's got a terrible short term memory <laughs> about things that they remember um, 
Sheffield Wednesday away, that was a good match. Uh, but we was locked out of the ground. We couldn't get in. I got in just as Barnby scored. We beat them 4-2. Loads, loads. Of, but then they're not so much to do with the football as to do with the people that I was with. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Hey. So I think my most memorable match was the FA Cup final because I was there with my son and it was so exciting. Mm. It was so brilliant. It was like everything that football should be about. Well, for about half an hour it was. In. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what's been the biggest thrill for your life? Biggest thrill of my life, Jesus Christ! I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. Um, <laughs> biggest thrill? How do you define thrill? What like a sort of sort of sensuous sort of of the moment? I would stay away from the the sensuality side of thrill. Well, I mean, what, what that's where what a thrill is, isn't it? It's a sensu- I don't mean it's a sensuous word, isn't it? The th- a thrill. Mm. What like a, like driving at hundred mile an hour in a car? <laughs> biggest thrill. I, can't, I don't know if I can answer that. I think watching my kids being born, that's a cliche, isn't it? But it's mm. true. You know, I, that was just astonishing, watching somebody arrive in the world. Yeah. I've never, ever, ever seen anything more amazing than that. Mm-hmm. Or experienced a rush of emotion more amazing. So it's got to be that, hasn't it? Yeah, that's you it. Know? Absolutely. All the, all the other thrills are like uh, fleeting. And mm. how do you compare one thrill to, a, to another? They're mm. all good, aren't they, thrills? Yeah. We have too many, then they cease to become a thrill, don't they? Mm. Well, no, more, no more babies then? You become, no, no, no. no. <laughs> you become jaded, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> okay. What's been your biggest disappointment? The Incredible Hulk uh, TV series when I was little. I remember it coming on and being really excited. Next week, The Incredible Hulk. On telly, I remember thinking, you're joking, like I was an avid Marvel you know, comic mm. fan. Incredible look, I was running around the house like a madman, you know, going off me off me <laughs> nugget. And when it actually came on, I was like, that's just a bloke painted green in the comics. He's like the size of an house. What's this? Yeah. You know, even at that tender age, well, I don't know what time it came. That was my biggest disappointment because I thought that was going to be a man-blowing landmark in my childhood. And it was, well, you've seen it, haven't you? It's useless, isn't it? I'd have to, that, that's my that's my most favourite biggest disappointment yet, Tom. So that's, <laughs> <laughs> okay. you didn't even have to think about it, Rossi. No. You were straight ahead. No, it's funny because I was <laughs> I was thinking about this the other day because my mum come around. She was going, "Do you remember?" She reminded me of it. She said, "Do you remember when the incredible?" She said, I've never seen you talking about thrills. I've never seen you so excited. I must have been about the same age when I went went to see City. It was like late seventies, wasn't it? I've never seen you so excited running around the house. And then I remember vividly. <laughs> I recalled it like being so downhearted <laughs> a lame excuse for superhero antics a bloke painted green going grrr rubbish <laughs> who, who is your favourite superhero who, who was your favourite superhero at that time Russ you were Surfer. reading Marvel the Silver Surfer mm. I liked him he was like on the fringes of stuff wasn't he, and he yeah, yeah. sort of cool and uh, skateboards were big at the time I think right I just like the way he was drawn. Yeah, the Silver Surfer was 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 my favourite one. Right. And do you have a, do you have a favourite superhero now? My wife. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so on to the next question here. What's the best country you've visited? Best country. Yeah. Mm, best. I thought Mexico was brilliant. I loved Mexico. I love Spain. I just love the Spanish way of life. I think Scotland, I'd, I'd like to emigrate to Scotland. And I actually saying that because I'm on your podcast. <laughs> I, think it's, it's, I used to work up there and I just used to love, uh, just, we used to get a great welcome. I just used to love the attitude and the way that, 
I don't know, I've become really prejudiced against the English lately, to be quite honest. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking, where can I go? Where I, I, I don't have to struggle to make myself understood. Uh, but it's not, you know, you're not ruled by maniacs, psychopaths, mm. and crooks. And maybe you've got a chance of doing that. So I'd like to uh, bomb up there, maybe. Uh, what other countries? I used to like the Czech Republic. I used to live there. I'm going to go for... Uh, I want to go for Spain. I just not about Spain. I really like. Okay. Might, uh, money, I think I'd move out there. Yeah. So this might be related. Might not be. What's your favourite food? Um, I like spicy things, and I do like Cajun food, and I like sort of. I hesitate to say American food. By that, what I mean is Mexican food and Cajun food. Mm. Yeah, you know I mean, but that's what the, the pure sort of real American food. I, I do like that. Uh, I also like. Um, Asian food, I like Korean food. Thai food, I love. Thai food's great, I really like that. I like um, I like spice, really. Above, I'm a savoury sort of fella rather than a sweet person, you know. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd rather go for that umani sort of smack of the lips thing. Mm. Okay, so miscellaneous likes. So give, give me two things that you like doing. That I like doing? Um, I like riding my bike. I'm real. I'm deeply boring. I don't like. I, I like writing and, and playing music, and so I do that like all the time. You know what I mean? I don't really like doing much else. I like watching football. I like playing football with my kids. I like uh, watching my kids grow up. I like listening to me, my daughter. I like you know hmm. playing chess with my son. I like my neighbourhood. I like I like life. I just I like the weather. I like listening, walking down the street, listening to the birds. I, I like most things really. Mis- dislikes. Dislikes. I'm, I'm getting to the age where I'm trying to the things that I dislike. I actually despise. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. I don't really do mild dislike anymore. <laughs> I do out and out sort of uh, hatred, and but I only, but I reserve that for little bears. Do you know what I mean? Because it becomes all consuming, especially nowadays. Yeah. Um, I like I mean, things that I like doing. I used to. I was a sensualist for a long time. You know, I like the imbibing of, of, of stuff and that. But now I like. Uh, Centralist of a different side. I like being healthy now. I like being, I like riding my bike about, you know, smelling the, the fresh air in the morning, finding out new things, you know. It's mm. uh, little tiny little things I like. That's what I like. Okay. And, I, and I really hate big things. That's the best way of sorting it out for you. Yep. I think. Great answers. Uh, what's your favourite TV show? Um, at the minute, what do I like? Uh, South Park. South Park. That's what I'm watching at the minute. Yeah, um, I'm ru- I'm quite rubbish at watching telly because it's a lot of it's sort of like uh, series now, isn't it? Like loads and loads of episodes of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I just I feel guilty about investing the, the time in it. But I've watched since lockdown. I've watched loads and loads and loads of telly and really enjoyed it. It's some brilliant stuff. My favourite telly program ever that I've ever seen is The Wire. From a point of view of writing, I thought it was just astonishing. Yeah, I've never seen anything on telly like that, and I thought I thought it was really great. Um, TV shows. I don't know. I like watching things like uh, Bullseye. I really <laughs> like Bullseye. <laughs> and I like it because, you know, the people on it, it's before an age when people were self-conscious about being on telly. And it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's got a real heart and soul, Bullseye. <laughs> and I think he's just hilarious, Jim. Unint- I don't know whether he's intentionally like that, but he, <laughs> from a modern perspective, he's just like... <laughs> he patronises everyone, but I don't think he means to. And his <laughs> range of notes is breathtaking. So yeah, bullseye mm. I like, yeah. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, favourite singers. So if you give me two favourite singers or, or bands. Singers or bands, well, 
favourite singers? What, like technical or just sort of like it was musical-like? Or yeah, just... It, it just moves you musical-wise. Oh, God. Uh, Michael Ed moves me at the minute. Um, you know, obviously all of this. Karen Carpenter, Bob Marley, do you know what I mean? Elvis Presley, Otis Redding, Marvin Gaye, Johnny Rotten, Lou Reed. I like people who can't sing. I like people mm. like Johnny Rotten and Lou mm. Reed. People like, who, who, you know, technical prowess in anything. You know, contradicts what I said about football earlier, but in music, I'm, I'm much more like someone who can get a song across rather yeah. than is technically perfect. You know, I'm not really into this sort of over-emoting type of singing going through the octaves. I like somebody like Johnny Rotten who screams it from his gut or, you know, it's ready who shouts. But, you know, I like that sort of stuff. Hmm. I like Michael Eddie's music. As far as music goes, I love the music of Michael Eddie. I love Frank Ocean. I love his music. Um, you know, Michael Head, sorry, Michael Head was Pale Fountains and Pale Fountains. Shaq is in the Michael and the Red Elastic Band now. I like, I like him. I'd, I love, you know, I, I listen to mainly reggae, Motown, Northern Soul, sort of new stuff. I tell you, what I like, I like last band I really liked was uh, Fontaine's DC. Yeah, they I really like them, and I like a band called Working Men's Club as well. They're really good. They're maybe it's because they remind me of sort of like. Joy Division and stuff when I was growing up, maybe, but yeah, just to, I've made the conscious effort actually to listen to more new music lately because it's it's easy to slip into your old favourites, isn't yes, it? Yes, yeah, they're great. I like for them Fontaine's DC. I like this band called Oceaneers that I'm in. I am a fan of them, so I'm allowed to say that as well. Um, yeah, it's uh, you know, I, I could listen to it. I don't listen to music all day. It's like like food. Like food, you can't do without it. Prince, he was the most amazing artist I ever saw. He was astonishing. Saw him in the little club in London about six months before he died. Mm-hmm. Yeah, doing the splits in midair. He was amazing. <laughs> Play anything. He was amazing. Answer that one. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, last question: Which person in the world would you most like to meet alive that I could meet? Well, we we, we tend to open this up so it can be alive or dead. All right. Hmm. I'd like to meet Jack Kerouac, the writer, or Jesus Christ, or Big Chief Sitting Bull, one of them three, or Nina Simone. I'd like to meet her as well, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's four, isn't it? I've got to pick one, haven't I? I don't know. You're better off not meeting people you admire. Mm-hmm. You, really, you're better off not meeting them, because they, they'll just disappoint you, I think. They're not who you, who you think they are, or you want them to be a lot of the time. Um, who would I most like to meet? The next person I meet. I look forward to that. I'd like to meet you too. I'd like to meet your life. Yeah, excellent. Okay, thank you for the focus on. Uh, do you want to say anything, Tom, before we Yeah, uh, so just, just stay me your us before we go back to the magazine. Um, I, I said when we got in touch originally, I thoroughly enjoyed your book of short stories. Um, we know who we are. I was just, obviously, you've published several novels as well that so I just wondered the short stories your kind of your kind of passion or was that a kind of route into writing novels my route into writing novels is songs I was I wrote lyrics for a band I was in first that's how I started off writing and uh, I really like my first novel was intended to be a collection of short stories and it ended up as a novel right so after that I, I sort of sorry this is it here that I've got is that right yeah, that, yeah that's the first edition that scream if you want to go faster yeah, that's that. Lots a collection of short stories, um, and it, so then, then I wrote a novel after that, and then I wrote a novel after that. But I always had in the back of my mind to return to short stories. I really, I really love them. 
And I think they're, they're sort of quite, they suit me at the minute. And I, I think people's attention span is getting long. Obviously, the, you know, I don't buy into all this, the novel is dying nonsense. I don't believe that. But I do think there are, I could never understand why in this country why short stories didn't take off more. They're massive in America, you know. Mm -hmm. I know and I used to love, Ray, I used to love Raymond Carver, yeah. Sher, you know, Sherwood Anderson and, and, and all, all this sort of stuff. This is the American short story writers and, that's what sort of got me into writing brevity of it. That would and lyrics, of course, you know. Yeah. So yeah, I, I do. I do. Um, I always write. I will always write short stories. I write another novel, actually, but I will always write short stories because I really, I think it's a great format. Love it. And a, a lot of your stories in that book. I don't know if you call them slice of life, but there's a lot of them have got a wee sort of twist of darkness and a wee bit of horror that kind of creeps into them. Well, I think. I sort of write about what I do is auto fiction. I take things that have either happened to me or to people I know or I've seen and sort of like twist it. Like, you know, and sometimes it's imagining what's the worst thing that could happen. Yeah. Imagining. But with, with that sort of stuff, I think it's where redemption lies. Do you know what I mean? If people are put under duress or marginalized, I think you get to the art of, the, of what I think, you know, human beings being tested. Do you know what I mean? Lately, I've, I've wanted to have a, a twist of light more than a twist of dark. I think there's mm -hmm. enough darkness in the world without fiction yeah. added to it, really. So what I've tried to do with We Know What We Are, that short story collection, is provide, even though some of the, the characters and the circumstances are quite marginalised and quite fraught, there is some hope of redemption, or if that's not too big a word, or just hope, you know, a slice of light in there, rather than writing about horrific stuff. You know, I mean, I got really sort of bored of that recently, over the last 10 years or so, books that tend to be, you know, generally written by men, mm. you know, middle-aged white men, and, and the, the tend towards the grotesque. And I just got a bit bored of it all, really. So I thought I'd try and go the other way a little bit. All right, great. So let's jump into the magazine. Uh, so here we've got a colour poster of Gary Mabbitt of Tottenham. Uh, again, wearing that Spurs shirt I was talking about, the Hummel shirts with the arrows across across the chest. I'm looking at the ball as well. What's that say on the ball? Is it Minerva? Minerva Supreme, yeah. Yeah. Minerva? Did you say Minerva? Yeah. That's the name of a pub in all. Is it? <laughs> they sponsor the Premier League football. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's he wearing? Adidas, isn't he? He's got the, uh, yeah. the Predator. Predator. I don't think the Predators were, were about then. I think that's probably just a World Cup or Yeah, they had this World Cup, aren't they? Yeah, nice picture, Gary, yeah. Nice typography, very 80s. Yes, isn't it? Anything you see, Andy, with Gary Mabbitt there? Again, it's great strip. And in the background, again, it's sign of the times. You can see the the, the barriers around the fans again. Best ground I ever, away ground I went to, White Hart Lane. Yeah. 1980, we drew him in the cup. I think it was about 1981. Yeah, it was, that was that was a memorable game. I should have said that for the most memorable game, even though it completely forgot to us all. <laughs> <laughs> I remember this big fight starting and this last started it. Yeah. I've never seen that before at a football match. Apart <laughs> from Scunthorpe. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I used to quite like Tottenham in them days. I used to like Waddle and Oddle. Yeah. It's a doddle with Waddle and Oddle. <laughs> uh, right, we move on then, Andy. We've got another um, colour poster there. Brian McClare of Celtic. Uh, and he's in that... Uh, of my my Celtic uh, kit with the CR Smith sponsor that looked as if it was kind of just sewn on, on on top of the shirt. 
Pacers. Remember the Mints Pacers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah not a lot to say about that pictures. I don't he's, think. He's, he's taken a bit of a thump to his ankle, though, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, some blood there in his ankle. Yeah. Ah, right, is that what it is? I thought maybe he stuck his half-time lollipop down there. <laughs> Playing on with a bloodied ankle, the warrior, Brian McClare. Yeah. I wonder um, if the, the Puma boots, maybe? Yeah, I think it might be, yeah. Who knows? Empty terrace and behind them, so can't even really pick out who they're playing against or anything there. That could be Celtic Park. Aye, probably. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right then, over the over the page again, we've got, uh, so on one side we've got Perry Suckling, uh, mm. who packs a Bible among his gloves and other goalkeeping Relig- accessories. Religious footballers, religious footballers, yeah. Mm. Well, he say, he, I mean, he says he isn't overly religious, but he's got a Bible... Um, he's been going to mass since he was. Um, what age did he say? And he goes every Sunday. But he's been going. I think he was injured, and his mum prayed for him for a a quick in a quick return from injury, and he did. So he thought, oh, there must be something in this religion thing. If evidence, I mean, if she didn't pray, then I would have been lame for the rest of my life because that's, that's how these it. things work. Yeah. Saint Suckling is the headline. Strange, that is Saint Suckling. Good name for a band, actually. How <laughs> many other uh, sort of overtly religious footballers can you bring to it? I, I thought immediately of Stuart Elliott at, at Old City, who was a lay preacher, right. uh, the Northern Ireland uh, player. Yeah. Uh, but any other religi- overtly religious? Brian Irvin at Aberdeen. Right, yeah. Marv- yeah. Marvin Andrews. Was, yeah, um, right. He's a big. Andrews, yeah. Yeah. God, God told him to. Not back down to United and hold out for the big money at Rangers. <laughs> Any modern footballers overtly religious? Do we know? I'm not. I'm not. You know. I'm just. I'm just. No, no. Curious. I know. I'm just trying. To, yeah. I can't think of any. Um, well, well, as um, after Boric, when Boric was certainly fond of blessing himself, and I mean, I don't know if all that counts. I mean, I'm not just saying that. Obviously, a lot of Celtic players did that, but. Yeah, uh, you know, well, well, his nickname was a holy goalie, wasn't it? Yeah, but right. I, if, if I'm if I'm being perfectly honest, I think a lot of it was a bit gratuitous. It's a bit gratuitous. It was a bit, yeah, that's what it was. It was playing up to this this whole thing. Um, so. Yeah, but we talked we talked about that before, and, and and an issue we had about a footballer who wouldn't play on a Sunday, hmm. uh, and we were we were wondering if there was anybody anybody else that had, that had done that, but we couldn't really think of any. Yeah, well, did he play for Man City? Perry Suckling, yeah. yeah. Can't, can't say that I remember him at all. I think he only maybe had a dozen games or something like that. Is that right, Tom? Right, I couldn't see. Yeah, I think about 11 or 12 games. And to be honest, I don't think he had many other games throughout his the rest of his career. He maybe went to a couple other teams, but we're probably talking less than 50. And, you know, my, my memory from looking at this earlier on may just not be working, but... As I say, I think it was maybe less than fifty games and through you know first team games through his entire career. Looks like he's playing uh, balls there, doesn't he? It does. Uh, so, move uh, anything you say about Tony Cotty there, the Golden Shoe Awards? Before we move on, so boots again, uh, isn't it? Boots again. Was he the top goal scorer? Yeah. So, well, Clive Allen was leading. Uh, yeah. Division one with twenty three and Tony Cotty and Ian Rush were joint second with seventeen. Yeah, that, did I, I, this was sort of like in them days. I didn't really take much notice of um, London clubs, to be honest. Right. 
I, 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 I don't know for some reason it wasn't really on me on my radar. West Ham, I don't really know a great deal about them other than you know the obvious stuff. Mm. Tony Cotty, he looks happy, doesn't he? he looks happy enough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, so moving on, uh, there's a couple of wee things to dip into. And Irwin at large, uh, what's new? Mark Irwin knows. Uh, so there's a wee bit there. Um, so you get again a very different picture of Ron Atkinson there. Uh, Rush, you were talking about how sort of smiley and uh, tanned he was in that picture earlier on, but he really looks Where is down he? in the mouth I, there. I'll have to change Yeah, I'll be top right. Uh, yeah, but still tanned. Oh, God, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah morose and tanned. <laughs> so, this is Man United have agreed a compensation deal with former manager Ron Atkinson for his remaining two years of his contract. Big Ron was sacked in November and is believed to accept a payoff in the region of £100,000. How much is that worth now then about? It'd be the same, really, I suppose, only a few million. Mm-hmm. And there's a bit there, uh, United clear out that we were talking about earlier on. Yeah. Uh, Manchester United manager Alex Ferguson is paving the way for a massive clear out at Old Trafford. Uh, and that means Peter Davenport, Remy Moses, Chris Turner, Arthur Alberson, Clayton Blackmore and Graham Hogg could all be on their way before long. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm just thinking about that Ron Atkinson thing. How many other industries do you know where you get loads of money for getting it wrong <laughs> well, it seems to be the higher you get up in industries that happens yeah I remember that happening at a place I work this guy balls his big deal up and they got rid of him and give him a quarter of a million quid <laughs> what can I do if I do something really sort of man then no one will care but I've got to do something really big you know what I mean yeah. mess up real big style and then I'll <laughs> that's where the money is <laughs> you know, big payoff looking glum but yeah. tanned again. <laughs> it was Johnny Lockhead, Johnny Metgod. Yeah, Johnny Method. So yeah, so they're saying that Johnny Method's uh, nickname is uh, jo- Johnny Lockhead because he looks like uh, Andy Lockhead. Older readers may recall Lockhead was a fearsome striker who took no prisoners during the sixties with Burnley and Aston Villa. Yeah, I, th- I think there was a lot of players who looked like that in the Burnley team during that period. Was, um... A lot of football, like, I think we've noticed, haven't we, there, aside from the sort of pop starry ones like Charlie Nicholas, they tend to look older. Then, yeah. I mean, someone was telling me John Thor was 33 when he met the Sweeney. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. I mean, but a lot of football, footballers smoked then, didn't they? Yeah. Mm. And I know they still do, but uh, loads of them did. I don't, I don't think there was the same sort of um, grooming that goes on today either, you know, personal grooming in terms of, you know, moisturiser and looking after their hair and their skin and all that stuff, which must it must make a difference. Yeah, he'd have shaved it, wouldn't he, and got like a full sleeve of tats. <laughs> yeah. Self as a psychopath. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about tattoos, and occasionally it's... You know, we'll see a picture and there's a guy with just one tattoo, and that's when you notice it that there's nobody with tattoos. But you know, look at that page. There's there's not a tattoo to be seen with any of them. Just think, in a few years' time, there'll be lollipop men with Darren written on the necks. <laughs> we'll just wait to the who is it? The Man City keeper is it? He's got them right up to his. Yeah, yeah God. When yeah. he retires and gets old. Yeah. Back then it was mild and bitter, wasn't it? Above each nipple. That's what mm. Robin Friday had, wasn't it? <laughs> mild, bitter, one across each. I think Billy Whitehurst had that as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Old school tattoos, man. Yeah. 
Yeah, the, the, the only tattoos way back then were likes of the, the hand-drawn or the hand-sculpted anchors or some, something like that. that yeah. You know? Well, Scottish Chris used to get the lion, didn't you? The, uh, yeah. Lampen, yeah. Mm. So quite a few of them were the old guys when I used to work up there. Yeah. So there's a wee snippet down there that says, move over Eric Bristol, Bolton striker Tony Caldwell stunned regulars at his local, the Pendleton British Legion, when he recently recorded an incredible 18 darts, 701. That's an average of 117. I, I, I don't know what game he's playing that's a 701. Did, did, did yeah. play, play, people play 701s? I thought 501 was a... I was in 501 or 301, I think. Mm. But, uh, but yeah, it's just uh, stunned regulars at his local, the Pendleton British Legion. Mm. Who's this Bolton striker? Yeah. Tony, Tony Caldwell. Caldwell. He should have gone into that, shouldn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's, a bit, that's the only time I've ever heard his name. Do you remember him, Tony Caldwell? I don't remember him, do you? Yeah. Good at darts, Eric Bristow, yeah, John Lowe, Keith Deller. But you're right, you should have gone to darts because we remember Eric Bristow, yeah, and we don't remember Tony Caldwell, so yeah, you missed the trick. Ansight's always 2020, isn't it? <laughs> Another one we should track down him, and the, what is it, the Saint Suckler? We should track, track them down, and, uh, <laughs> see what they're doing these days. Uh, so let's pick a, a, a couple of other wee things before we, we sort of, uh, close up. Uh, if we move on uh, over the over the page, uh, so uh, so worldwide uh, compiled by Roy Daly. So uh, Lineker axed, and it's Gary Lineker in real danger of being axed by Barcelona boss Terry Venables. Yeah. Uh, but it wasn't for the Barcelona team. It was because Terry Venables was picking a rest of the world eleven to play against the football league uh, on uh, the eighth of August with the league's uh, centenary celebrations. And uh, Terry says, Gary isn't assured of a place. It's a non-story, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've seen photographs of the team lined up. He, he played. He, he, did, he, yeah. did, he did play, yeah. And they're uh, not Quasar boots. Yeah, we'll need to check <laughs> if he did wear his, wear his Quasars. You can find the whole the whole 90 minutes is on YouTube. But yeah, he did play. And uh, it says here that Butaguenio and Sanchez... Uh, we're going to be uh, we're going to be taking his, his place possibly, but neither of them neither of them played. But uh, Platini and Maradona uh, lined up in that team uh, as well. How long was he out there for, Lineker? Lineker, uh, a couple of years, I think. You. Yeah. No. When he came, did he go to? He went. He went there from Everton, didn't he? Yeah, and then back to and Spurs. Back to Spurs. Yeah, I, I always thought for some reason I, I thought it was the other way around. Yeah. I remember that, yeah. that little cup is just forever etched into your memory, isn't it? Hmm. Did you did you pick out the Hans van Brooklyn, Tom? Yeah, that's what I was going to say next year. It's about Hans van Brooklyn there. Former Nottingham Forest keeper Hans van Brooklyn has revealed his thoughts about English football now that he's safely back home in Holland with PSV Eindhoven. <laughs> and the Dutch international who made 61 league appearances for Forest says, English football is less spectacular than the continental game. First division footballers play more with their heart than their head. They battle from start to finish, but there are very few ball wizards. The overall level of technique in England is in fact very low. They pressurise opponents all the time to cover up the enormous defects which are corroding the English game. <laughs> and hard hitting stuff. Yeah, he's, he's not he's not pulling any well, punches there. That's precisely what that, that book I was talking about, These Feet, says. Right. You know, I mean, I'll, at the risk, I mean, I'll, this podcast, I mean, one of the theories... Um, I don't know if I can say this really, but in the book he said that basically it all came about this emphasis on physical exertion 
was to dissuade adolescent boys from masturbation. Mm. This, this guy had written this thesis um, about, you know, it will make you go blind, it will turn them into sin, blah, blah, blah. Make sure they're worn out before they go to bed. And that's where it came from. This, you know, it was a real, this one influential guy, his name was Thrap, this Victorian guy. And, uh, and so from that, all English football from then on became this emphasis on, you know, the, the physical and the, exactly what that guy's saying there. It's not encouraged. It's like that false song, isn't it? How Flair is punished. Mm. Kick a conspiracy was right. How Flair is punished, it is. Yeah, he's right, that guy. So, so the, the whole style of the English game was to stop everybody from becoming a bunch of wankers? Exactly, and yeah. It didn't work, did it? <laughs> That's it, yeah. You're rubbish at football because you're a set of wankers. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know if I could say that on there. Oh, no, no, we're, we're fine right. with that. Fine. <laughs> uh, right, okay, so we uh, move, over, move over the page uh, again then. And uh, I was going to look at on this page here. So there's an advert for next week's edition of shoot but uh, at the bottom there we've got uh, from Sabutio colour your favourite club players uh, so club colours is the exciting new colouring kit from Sabutio especially embossed for easy colouring and featuring four official club pictures in each pack is Big Ron in there <laughs> can we colour him orange <laughs> see see, for, for me this this is this isn't Sabutio it's, it's got nothing to, you know they're branching out yeah, yeah, but it's like stick to what you know in in that sense. All it seems to be is a colour and in book. Well, it's like the cost doing trainers, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Hmm. The polo shirts are lovely. The trainers are horrible. Yeah. Sti- like bagel shops. You know, bagel shops are successful because you can only buy bagels. That's the beauty of them. <laughs> sorry, yeah. Sorry, I divest there. <laughs> yeah, it's not so good. Yeah, I agree with you completely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love how they, they've put the like Arsenal, Aston Villa, Celtic, Everton in the team colours, apart from hearts, which are purple like Aston Villa. So, mm-hmm. What's that saying? I thought they were purple. No, they're, they're maroon. Maroon, oh yeah, maroon, yeah, of course they are, yeah. yeah. Well, Villa isn't exactly purple, is it? Yeah, it's more yeah. like claret. Claret, yeah. yeah. Free fiber tip pens, or you get free pens. <laughs> you should have yeah. done a fuzzy felt one. <laughs> the fuzzy felt, assemble your own favourite player through rectangles and diamonds. Yeah, you don't see fuzzy felt much these days. Yeah. But see, I, I was expecting at least the... So, so it's the, the Sabuto picture thing, it's, it's a face of the player, so it's a, it's like a body shot, top of the body shot, and then there's, on either side, there's a there's a, a complete body shot. But you'd expect it to at least have the Sabuto rounded base in order for it to, you know, have the yeah. Sabuto theme. So that, so that that's why I said when... If I at least had that, then there was okay. This is obviously Sabutio. And who's that on the advert? Who's that meant to be? Is that Terry Butcher? <laughs> no, it's blue, isn't it? it's a blue kit. Maybe it might be Terry Butcher. Yeah, uh, he's got a hoop across. Who's that meant to be? Can't make it out. I don't know. You used to get stuff like that in packets of wheat bits, didn't you? Well, you used to be. Oh, do you know what? I was thinking about this today because I, I bought uh, two packets of Shreddies and. Um, Shreddies for me are the ones that always had the letter sets, you know, the, mm. the transfers and things like that. And yeah. even now when I open them up, I just want to put my hand down the side before I go into the packet and just, and it's, it's like, thrill. The, the, the thrill, the thrill, thrill. exactly. Um, I remember 
getting glow in the dark Star Wars ones, and you would go into a darkened room and you would, you know, just sort of rub them over onto the wall and stuff like that, and they would transfer over, and you'd put the light on, turn it off, and it would be glow in the dark. Absolutely brilliant. Can I go back to my previous answer? My biggest thrill was uh, Cybermen in Shreddies in Weetabix. Mm. Um, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And standing on the little thing. Like, you're completely correct. They had it on point, the cereal manufacturers. Yeah. A big uh, company like Sabutio couldn't organise that for this Club Colours sketch. <laughs> yeah. Shame on you, Sabutio. It's a shame. Yeah. No wonder you crashed and burned. So the opposite page, we've got focus on Barry Venison of uh, Liverpool. Enthralling. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you spoke about this earlier on, uh, Russ, about some of Barry's uh, answers there. Um like they ask him uh, what is his nickname, and he says they called me Vena at Sunderland, but I don't have a nickname at Liverpool yet. Yeah, yeah I love the idea that when he got transferred, they had to leave his nickname behind, you know. And it's like, no, leave it. Get your get that Vena back. Yeah. He died when I left Sunderland. <laughs> <laughs> Vena, Vena died. Yeah. yeah, let's resurrect him. Yeah, what, what else is what does he like? It's favorite great. actor. Favorite actor. Jimmy Neal. Favourite TV shows. I'll read his own picture. Just basically what was on telly at the time. <laughs> to be fair, he says Cheers, and Cheers is one of my favourites. Cheers is yeah, uh, timeless. Yeah, he's got that in it. A regular person. Ambition, yeah. But yeah, just, you know. He was, he was always a bit of a fancy down, wasn't he, a little bit? Barry Venice, nothing. Yeah. A bit well, of a Radio 1 DJ type. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, who's that, who is that DJ that he... Harry Davis, that sort of, he was like one of them, one of the young, free and single type. Mm. I don't know, maybe, I, you know, I'm saying all this glibly, he was probably, he might have been a deeply studious spiritual. <laughs> the, the looks of a pop star, it's not his fault, is it? As I say, if one of his favourite actors is Jimmy Neal, the chances are that he wasn't. Mm-hmm. You know, Jimmy Neal and Jane I, Fonda, so. I, I mean, nowadays they'd get the PA to fill this in, wouldn't they? Do you know, yeah. The favourite food is usually somewhat like, Black Forest Gatto, isn't it? That is a, a cake from the past, that one, thankfully. His long-term ambitions are uh, to win as much silverware as possible and to play for my country. Uh, and he got two caps for England at his first when he was 30. Well done, Barry. Mm. Good things come to those who win. <laughs> never give up. Yeah, never give up. So turning over the page then, uh, this is just the second last thing we're looking at. So it's Rangers nil Hamilton won, uh, the biggest cup sensation in Scottish history. So this is when Hamilton knocked Rangers out of the Scottish Cup at Ibrooks. And there's a picture there of uh, Adrian Sprott who scored the goal. says, I couldn't believe it. He looks like he couldn't. Look, he looks incredulous, doesn't he? <laughs> he looks like he's gape, you know, a gape. Sprockled. I, I must admit, again, this completely bypassed me at the time. Uh, yeah, but obviously a big... Uh, yeah. yeah, it was a big shock at the time. Although Hamilton were in the same league as Rangers at the time, they were both in the Hamilton were oh, in the Premier right. League uh, at the time. So I, I think technically, I think still the biggest cup sensation is probably Berwick Rangers when they beat Rangers in '67, or Inverness Caledonian Thistle beating Celtic in 2000. But this again because it was it was as soon as Rangers with Terry Butcher, Chris Woods, and like they said, Woods had created a British goalkeeping record. For shutouts, mm. it it was a big it was a big shock. It was a was a big shock at the time. Yeah, I think the context of how Rangers were playing and you know the, the quality in the team at the time, it it was a huge huge shock. 
I mean, if you think back to the Inverness, Cali and Celtic, Celtic weren't in the best of no. states at that point. You know, Mark Viduka wasn't a good it's, influence. It, in the, uh, the, the 11 versus 11, it's a cliche again, but yeah. it, it's all about, if you get the momentum. Football, it's interesting, it's about momentum, isn't it, football? Yeah. Sometimes watch a match and you can sort of tell after about 10 minutes that it's just not happening for them today at all. But the thing, the thing is, if 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 results like this never happened, football wouldn't be as you know greatly supported as it is. It's the fact that people know, people have hope because mm. these things do happen and have happened yeah. before, yeah. and so it is. It's like anything could happen. Yeah, it's it could. It must have been brilliant. I'm an academic. I couldn't. But what's he doing now? Spittle, Adrian Sprott. <laughs> So it mentions there that that, uh, that Rangers are, are now going to uh, up their pursuit for uh, Mark Haitley of AC Milan, who obviously they did sign. Yeah. And there's a wee bit there. There's Jimmy Greaves again. Yeah. Trust yeah. Jim. Trust Jim, yeah. Have you noticed as well, they, they have done him in cartoon form here. Yeah. He's more like a, a, a respectable Jim with a tie on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Trust Jim. Well, he's like Del Boy, isn't he? Oh, what? <laughs> Anyone who says, I don't trust you, Jim, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> trust Jim. Uh, so he says, uh, when the Aki's lost 8 0 at Celtic in January, I saw straight away what they were up to. Because she did, Jimmy. Greaves, <laughs> <laughs> also, I said to myself, they're, they're uh, filling, lulling Rangers into a false sense of security. So while the jocks were falling off their sporrants in surprise, I was having a quiet chuckle to myself as John Lambie and the boys celebrated their famous sucker punch. Oh, it's all about Jim, isn't it? <laughs> He's one of them, isn't he? Oh, yeah, I know everything. You can't tell me out. <laughs> so uh, Jimmy Greaves was uh, famously a Hamilton Ackes uh, fan because um, apparently... Uh, he'd, he'd had a dig at them on uh, Saint and Greavesy um, when they were when they were doing a piece on Liverpool. Uh, Ian Saint John had said, uh, "You'll never walk alone," and Greavesy said, "Unless you're a Hamilton Ackes fan." And uh, Hamilton Ackes wrote into the program and said, "Well, why don't you come up and see us then?" So uh, the, yeah, the Greavesy and uh, the Saint went up uh, to Douglas Park, and uh, Hamilton offered Jimmy uh, the vice vice president of their their fan club. Uh, so I uh, so since since that time, uh, he became a Hamilton Aki supporter. The thing is, in Scotland, that sort of invite isn't an invite to come up and see you, is it? That is an invite <laughs> oh, for a fight. Really. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you come up and see us then, eh? <laughs> Do you know it's, it's uh, one of all city's famous supporters is Omar Sharif. You got in it because he was in Doctor Zhivago with Tom Courtney, and Tom mm. Courtney listened to. Uh, City's results, and he says, You know, who's that? Who's your team? And he got on really old, and he says, Old City went, I'll support him as well. Then, Sunita is an old city supporter as well, <laughs> yeah, because she met uh, Billy Whitehurst in the pub in Sheffield and thought he was the ultimate gentleman. Oh. <laughs> yeah, look at she's a proper old city fan, yeah. <laughs> uh, right, okay, so turn the page. This is the last thing we're going to look at here. So, it's uh, is Norman Whiteside a dirty player? And it's Target Man, and this was a wee feature that um, Shoot occasionally did, where um, a reporter would go and sort of analyse a, a player uh, in a particular match. And uh, they go to look at uh, Norman Whiteside here playing against Coventry City in the FA Cup. And uh, the verdict is fair, not foul. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree. I don't think he was a dirty player. He was uh, full-blooded, wasn't he? And that, I think he was, technically, I think he was great. He was, what, what do I remember about that? I don't remember much about that. Uh, he went to Everton, didn't he? After yeah. Man United. Yeah. Well, they've got an habit of doing that, Everton, haven't they? Buying Man United players over the years. They've bought quite yeah. a few. Uh, I, thought, I thought he was great, Whiteside. Was his career cut short? I think it was, was, yeah. He had a knee injury, I think. He was about 27 or something like he stopped playing. Yeah. I mean, people talk about um, Duncan McKenzie, the old, you know, that he would, he reminded me of what I imagined he would be like, you know. Yeah. Did, have I got, is that the right guy? Duncan, what's his name? His dad in Munich. Oh, Duncan Edwards. Duncan Edwards, that was it, not Duncan McKenzie. Duncan Edwards, yeah. He, um, when people talk about Duncan Edwards, I always just imagined him playing a bit like Whiteside for some reason. Yeah. I always great. No, I don't think he was. Where did he get that rep from for being. Dirty. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure where that uh, where that comes up uh, from. Uh, was it especially in the in the period that yeah. he was in? It wasn't as if there was a lot of you know striking violets at the time. It was you know you got Vinnie Jones in there. You've got yeah. you know Brian Robson. You know wasn't no, soft in the challenge. You know, but you know for for. for during that period, to shine out as possibly a, a dirty player would have taken something. And I, you know, I, I can't remember him too much specifically, but when I think of Norman Whiteside, I certainly don't think he was like a, a dirty player. Absolutely not. No. I think he was a cut above, you know. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, and that piece says, is the Northern Ireland international a licensed thug who uses the boot to intimidate opponents? Or has he been unfairly branded by people who have mistaken his natural aggression for something more nasty? You know, with hindsight, you can see why, like, hooliganism thrived, do you know what I mean? Because it was almost virtually celebrated in these magazines, wasn't it? <laughs> it's interesting, really, picking up on the sort of mood of it, of 87. Fair, not foul. Mm. He always used to make things happen, White Sad, I remember, you know. Yeah. Was that Cup Final? That was his... Uh, That's right. Found this moment, wasn't it? Yeah. Where he scored the only goal, didn't he? Yeah, sorry, against uh, Everton. I think, yeah, I, I, it's a shame that his career was cut so short because he, uh, I thought he was great. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I said uh, earlier, there's, there's a programme that's still on the BBC iPlayer from BBC Northern Ireland, uh, Sporting Life, where he talks about his talks about his career at Manchester United. It's quite interesting. I'll have a look, yeah. I'll have a look. So that's us got through the, the magazine. Good, yeah, thank you for that. Um, so just before before we we wrap up here, Russ, what what's happening with yourself at the moment? What are you involved with? What are you working on? Um, well, I'm writing a novel set in a prison. I'm writing a few short stories. I've got uh, just put an album out with Oceaneers, uh, Light of the Whalebone. You can hear that on um, on Spotify and all that sort of like. Uh, I'm doing a, a spoken word project. Do you remember ma uh, magazine, the band magazine? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, me and Dave Formula, who produced Light of the World, World on the Oceaneers album. Um, me and Dave Formula doing a spoken word collective called Odd Fellas Union. So that's like about like a bit of electronica and, and spoken word stuff. But these all these things are like really nice sort of instant sort of things to do while I'm writing this book because books take ages to write. Yeah. You know? You've got to sort of like pepper it every now and again with a, a, a bit of music or a bit of short story or something that you can complete fairly quickly. 
because you always feel like you're in the middle of summer unless you do that. Um, and apart from that, I'm, I'm just, you know, just trying to navigate all that through this unfolding chaos. Yeah. That's just mind-blowing, really. I mean, what, what's it like uh, where you are at the minute then? I mean, you're in Batley, aren't you? Uh, yeah, yeah. For me, it's, I mean, I've been continuing to, to work from home, so it's not been a huge impact on what I've been doing. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a particularly sociable animal anyway in terms of I don't need to go to the pubs. I don't need to, you know, go out to restaurants and things anyway. Um, Probably the thing I'm missing the most is going up to Glasgow, going up to Clydebank, going up to visit the family. That's probably what I'm missing the most because, I I mean, you're talking about you like to go out on your bike a lot. I like to go out running a lot, currently injured. Yeah, I I, I like running as well. Yeah, it's great, yeah. Yeah. But I've, I've, because I've, I've injured my, my foot relatively recently. I'm, I'm now walking a lot more, which leads me to actually want to start going out doing wild camping and things like that. So it's actually, personally, I'm, I'm still doing things, um, probably almost to the same sort of level that I would have before. Um, yeah. So what, what about yourself, Tom? Uh, yeah, well, I'm sort of, uh, sort of adapted to it, kind of, I'm just sort of assuming that I can't really do much of anything until the spring, so I'm all right with it. I work sort of three days a week, so I'm out down there and then batter back up the road, shops, a bit of a walk. I'm sort of adapting to it all right. Mm. Are you going to work, Tom, or are you working? Yeah, you? no, I'm going, I work for um, a mental health charity, uh, so we'd sort of cut back on all our sort of counselling services kind of thing. We just do telephone support at the moment, uh, which right, is kind of hard for a lot of people. A lot of what I, what I do is in schools, and it's still a bit uncertain about what's going on. You know, yeah. I'm usually back in schools doing creative writing workshops around the boat now, but that's not happening. Um, I want I want to be a postman. I've, I've just been turned down by the post office, which was like, that's my biggest disappointment, perhaps. <laughs> Uh, but I've reapplied. I don't think that you're allowed to reapply, aren't you? I've, I've reapplied, and this time I think I'm in with a chance. So watch this one. So, uh, you know, this new phase in my life, postman, I think could be the making of me. Mm. Middle of man, do you know what I mean? So keep fit, get up, get out the house, perform a useful function to the rest of the community, and get paid. That's all you want, isn't it? Mm. Okay. I t- to be honest, I'm, I'm not being flipping here. I can see the. I can see why you would want to do that. I can you know, because sometimes when I'm out walking or I'm out running, maybe it's a Saturday or a Sunday, but Saturday it would be, and I'm I'm far away from home, and I see a post postman or a postwoman, and I just think they're pretty much doing what I'm doing, but they're also getting paid for it. And <laughs> you never see an unhappy postman or mm-hmm. a person. You, you know, you say what? I don't know about winter. Maybe it's a bit more of a, a testing time, but. You know, it's great. You just get finished by about three o'clock, can't you? As well, if you get a move on. Yeah. And yeah. You need time for the for the writing. You know, the, I mean, the one thing about the writing life is that you spend a lot of your time concerned with other people's writing in order to make money. You know, um, and I, I think I'd like to at, at this point, and maybe COVID's forced me hand a little bit really to sort of move away from the arts hustle and do something that's completely unrelated to writing, but also something that's that I think is useful. Do you know what mm. I mean? Um, I don't like to just do something where I'm making somebody rich. Yeah. That don't that don't appeal to me. Like what you were, you know, working in the mental health. I, I, yeah. 
I mean, a lot of my work crosses over in that area anyway, working in prisons and community centres and, 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 you know, pupil referral units, as they used to be called. And, but that this crops up a lot. And writing's great for that. But um, I, I think I've reached that point in life where I'd like to do something uh, that doesn't involve the thing that I love. Do you know what I mean? To try and, try and keep them separate a little bit. Mm. I think that would be, be quite good for me now. So we're going to take a look at our charity partner, um, which is the Western Bartonshire Community Food Share. So this is a charitable organisation that provides various services and support to the local community, including the following. School uniform bank, school holiday brunch bags, food provisions, Christmas toy bank, cooking and growing lessons and a baby bank. They provide essential support to the local community in supporting individuals and families, and we'll be looking to support them in any way that we can through the podcast. This will include drives for donations of food, money, support in the form of volunteers, but we will also be raising awareness of the group to highlight the work that they do and also to ensure that families and individuals who can benefit from the group are aware of these vital services. So you can follow them on the Western Bartonshire Community Food Share group on Facebook or westernbartonshirecommunityfoodshare.co.uk for the website. Also keep an eye on our Twitter accounts, shoot TB underscore podcast and Scott's Footy Cards for updates and news on our charity partner. Okay, so with that, I would just like to say a special thanks to Pete Wiley of the Mighty Wah for use of Story of the Blues for the music of our show. And you I can like ca- Pete Wiley, he's great, isn't he? Oh, he's brilliant. I absolutely love him. Um, but you can catch up with him on petewiley.co.uk and you can check out the details of his new music and any gigs which may or may not be coming up who knows at this moment in time I would also like to thank our producer Diane Jarden um, for all our support on the podcast and you can check out transmissionroom.co.uk if you're in the Clydebank or Glasgow area and you're looking for music recording and rehearsal facilities so on that Russ we'd just like to thank you again for. we hope you've enjoyed going through the magazine with us um, but really a big thank you for, for giving us your time tonight. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Absolute, absolute privilege, gentlemen. Thank you. It's been really interesting. It's been good fun as well. Yeah, I think what you're doing is amazing. Thanks for having me on. Good, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And Tom, thank you, as always, for being Tom. Thanks, Andy. And for all you listening out there, please keep listening, share the podcast, um, come on to our website, give us some feedback. And until the next time, let's shoot the breeze.